You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. And I'm not saying that we can retrospectively make Jesus a critical race theorist, but I think we can today build on his individualistic critique here and ask if there's something here that we can apply not just to individuals, but also to our social systems as well today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 386. Our title is Worshiping in Vain, and that's taken from our reading this week, which is from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 7, 1 through 8, 14 through 15, and verses 21 through 23. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So there's a lot in this week's reading. So let's jump right into it. First, the text names the Pharisees and some teachers of the law. It's possible that Jesus himself had some level of training in the Pharisaical school of Hillel. I've written about this in the past. Yet remember, those who were in power in Mark's gospel were the Pharisees of the school of Shammai. And again, I've written at length on the distinctions between these two schools of thought and and Torah interpretation. Uh, I'll put some links to it in this week's e-site. You can check out uh, the article on the Golden Rule or Woes Against the Pharisees, woes against exegetes of the law, and the, the article renouncing one's rights. So I'm not going to repeat all of the that information here. It's just it's enough to say that this week's passage, it could have been attributed to Hillel the Pharisee just as much as we attribute it to Jesus in Mark's gospel. The language and the emphasis that we find is very Hillelian. I share this because throughout history, Christians have used the label 
label of Pharisee as a disparaging or derogatory title very carelessly and in a very anti-Semitic way. And some Christians, they continue to still do that today. We can do better. I want to offer an alternative this week to these common anti-Jewish interpretations and, and try and shed some light on why the Gospel of Mark does speak so disparagingly of, quote-unquote, uh, Pharisees. I, I believe particularly those of the, the Pharisees of the school of Shammai. Once again, if you're unfamiliar with that distinction, I'll put some links to uh, previous articles and episodes that you can go through in, in the East Side. But the, the following interpretation that I'm going to offer, it's not my own. I, I found it in Ched Meyer's Excellent commentary on the Gospel of Mark binding the strong man. And Myers argues that the Gospel of Mark uses the characters of Pharisee and, and teachers of the law not to pit Christians against Jews, but to help us understand classism within the Jesus stories. And the conflict that we find there is really not between two different religions, but between an uh, within Judaism, uh, a conflict between the upper class, the elite. Elites and the lower classes or the, the marginalized. And in Mark's version of the Jesus story, Jesus' society was shaped, remember, like a cone, with the Sadducees at the center and the top of the cone. And right below them were the Pharisees competing for power. And this society, it used faithfulness to the traditions of ritual purity and cleanliness to determine who were insiders and who were outsiders. Who would be centered in that society and who would be pushed to the margins? Who was at the top of the pyramid and, and, and who was at the bottom? The Sadducees were much more conservative in interpreting which behaviors enabled someone to be pure or clean. The Pharisees, by contrast, they used a much more liberal, progressive interpretation of purity standards. And this enabled um, more people from the masses to claim cleanliness or faithfulness and, and, and therefore to avoid being socially disenfranchised. If we were to look at this anachronistically, uh, the Pharisees could be called kind of the, the blue-collar working person's religious leader in the Jesus story, whereas the Sadducees, they were the religious leaders of the elite and the wealthy who could afford to live up to the Sadducees' strict standards and their interpretation of, of who, who was pure, who was in, or, or who was impure and, and therefore out. And Myers uses the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees differing interpretations of Leviticus 11.38 and, and eating domesticated, unirrigating grain versus the imported grain from Egypt as an example. Remember that, that grain that came from Egypt, uh, it was irrigated, um, but it was also much cheaper and so it was more affordable for those with, with less means. And notice, uh, just follow closely how this example works, and it'll begin to make sense for you. This is, for, again, from Chad Myers. According to Leviticus 11.38, if water is poured upon seed, it becomes unclean. The passage, however, does not distinguish between seed planted in the soil or seed that is detached from the soil. In the years of poor harvest, a frequent occurrence owing to poor soil, drought, warfare, locust plagues, and poor methods of farming, this text was a source of dispute. Why? 
during such lean years, grain was imported from Egypt. But the Egyptians irrigated their fields, putting water on seed, so that their grain was suspect perhaps even unclean. The Sadducees judged that such grain was unclean and anyone consuming it also became unclean. They were quite willing to pay skyrocketing prices commanded by scarce domestic grain because they could afford it. One senses economic advance being sanctioned since the Sadducees were often the large landowners whose crops increased in value during such times. By contrast, the Pharisees argued that the Pentateuchal ordinance applied only to seed detached from the soil. In other words, you could water it once it's in the ground. Therefore, one could still be observant and still purchase Egyptian grain. So what we, that, again, that's from Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, page 76. The Pharisees, once again, had a, a more inclusive interpretation of the Torah than the Sadducees. But remember, even in their broader understanding, their more liberal interpretation, it still left some excluded and outcast. And this is where Jesus enters the story. And most of all, remember the Pharisees' interpretation, it was using the needs of the working class kind of as leverage in their power competition with the Sadducees. They were more popular with the, the masses. In Mark's story, Jesus sees through this. Though the Pharisees were relatively more inclusive, they still benefited from a classist system that, that left others on the margins. And Jesus emerges in the story as the prophet of the outcast, where there are outcasts by Sadducees or by Pharisees. Uh, there you'll find Jesus. And this is the dynamic that we're bumping into in this week's passage. It's talking about hand washing. That was another tradition used to determine who was in and who was out, who was centered and who was pushed to the margins, who was close to the top of their society and who was closer to the bottom. It, it, but it was classist and it was elitist. To put it in the terms used by, by Karl Marx, hand-washing was bourgeoisie. It, remember, this was way before the discovery of, of germ theory. It was not about cleanliness as we now understand it. Hand-washing in this week's passage was about one's dedication to Torah observance, or, or rather their interpretations of and adherence to society's definition of purity. And Jesus cuts straight to the heart of the matter. It's not unwashed hands that are harmful in a society. He says, but sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And today, in certain sectors of Christianity, we could apply the these same principles. It's not your church attendance or your offering size or your worship music tastes or, or watching Fox News as your news media of choice or wearing the political label of pro-life or, or the claim of being a Bible-believing born-again Christian that makes you an insider. Jesus could just as accurately say to us, they worship me in vain, Teaching their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. So what truly is it that threatens a person's or a community's or a society's well-being? Again, Jesus zeroes in on, on certain 
things, certain elements that have intrinsic, uh, that, that, that bring intrinsic harm, greed, classism, uh, scapegoating immigrants. Today, we could say a distrust of science, bigotry, racism, homophobia, transphobia, uh, misogyny, nationalism, exceptionalism, supremacism, uh, all these supremacist ways of thinking uh, and viewing the world. These are all the things that come from within and are intrinsically harmful and destructive of our human communities, our, our life together. Jesus' teaching, it could be broadened here, I believe, to parallel uh, contemporary analysis of our systemic isms and kyriarchy. Racism isn't only internal to individuals, for example. It's embedded in social policy and custom and culture, as well as internal bias and socialization. And I'm not saying that we can retrospectively make Jesus a critical race theorist, but but it, well, because he wasn't, um, to be honest, he, he wasn't even, even talking about that. But I think we can today build on his individualistic critique here and ask if there's something here that we can apply, not just to individuals, but also to our social systems as well today. And lastly, I don't interpret Jesus here as simply giving his followers a new list of rules that allowed them to go on practicing the ways of, of marginalizing others just with a more internalized standard. In other words, now the, well, those who are greedy are out and those that aren't greedy are in. Um, it wasn't that arbitrary. I see him doing something much different here. By naming the things on his new list, I see him calling the very ones who are marginalizing others based on something as silly as washing their hands to do a little introspection and see if there were things within themselves, practices that they themselves engaged in that genuinely harmed others or themselves. What are the things that really matter and why do they matter? What are the things that are genuinely intrinsically harmful? And, and, how are we as Christians today worshiping Jesus in vain, holding up elements of Christian culture as the test of who's in and who's out in the midst of our political culture war, all the while engaging in practices that quite literally in this time of pandemic are harming people around us? What would the Jesus of our story this week say to us right now today? Heart Group Application, I want you to share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast with your heart group. Number two, at Renewed Heart Ministries, we've often said that activism is a spiritual discipline. It can also be an act of worship. So in what other ways can our justice work, informed by the Jesus story, also be an act of worship? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.